Sponsor Juniper Abstra's intent-based multi-vendor networking solution helps you build your data center network to a specific design, then make sure it stays within that spec. Deployment automation and continuous validation. Find out more at juniper.net slash packetpushers slash Abstra. Welcome to the IPv6 Buzz podcast, where we dare to dive into the 128-bit address space wormhole. A quick reminder that there are sponsorship opportunities available for IPv6 Buzz and other Packet Pusher podcast shows. If you're interested, you can go to packetpushers.net slash sponsorship for details. If you've got something cool working with IPv6, we definitely want to hear about it from you. So join us on the IPv6 Buzz. We'd love to hear what you got working and how you think it's cool and talk about it more. I'm Tom Coffeen with my co-host, Ed Horley. Scott Hogue is out today teaching a deep dive IPv6 class, but I'm tremendously excited that we're going to talk to Mukam Taman today. He's Afrinix head of capacity building, and we're going to be discussing the IPv6 deployathon that he runs over at Afrinix. So I think we should uh, just go ahead and jump right in with some questions. So, hey, Mukam, could you talk a little bit about what your role at Afrinix is first? Good morning to you, Tom. Good morning, Ed. Yes, I lead the capacity building team. and so. Our main job is to teach network operators in our region how to how to deploy the technologies that underpin our businesses, regional internet registries, whether it is um, using the WHOIS database correctly, RPKI, but more and more preparing network engineers around the continent to be able to design, plan, and implement IPv6 networks. Wow, so that's a small job. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes. Big enough to take all of the U.S., Europe, uh, China, and India. So we're a team of, it's almost, it's a, it's a big mission, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I can, I can, I can imagine. I mean, it's, you, you must have to travel quite a bit. I mean, you know, maybe this is pre-pandemic times, but, uh, but I imagine that's, that's quite a bit of effort to get around uh, such, a large, such a large continent to be able to, to really help. Uh, deploy in that way and, and and considering you know internet access is basically a critical service uh, for much of the world that's it's a, that's a pretty big responsibility <laughs> and and mukam i'd be curious like what uh, what sort of infrastructure challenges that i mean because you know here in north america we have i think it's obviously africa is much larger as a continent um, just for, in terms of total land area um, but I think maybe we have some similar issues just in terms of of access. And we have like large geographical areas without, you know, a lot of people, but there's still a need for internet service. So what are some of the the uh, sort of infrastructure challenges that that Africa faces in general? And, and how does that vary by region? So we have the same problem where we've got large tracts of land that is very sparsely populated. Um, so... Right now, there is quite lots of internet in the coasts, but so you find that in the same country, um, say the cost to get say to to transmit say uh, a bit and a megabit from within the same city, with the, the same cities in the same country, is so much more expensive in a city that's inland than at the coast, simply because there's a lot of fiber at the coast, but the the fiber networks that are in country are not that well developed. And where they've been developed, they have been done in such a siloed manner. Some operator digs the, digs the roads, lays their own fiber. And then two, two months later, another operator is digging the same road and there's fiber cuts. Um, we don't have operators that just say, oh, all we do is run dark fiber. 
within a certain country. That ah. isn't very well developed. So that's a bit, bit of a challenge. Right. And it's, it's so, is there a, a large investment? I imagine there's a large investment then as a result for helping you with, with mobile, mobile phone and mobile operator that for a large swath of covering that area in, in an easy manner, similar to here in the US, right? We, we try to use mobile to bridge the divide um, for internet access. Is that, is that a pretty common strategy there? The vast majority of internet access to, to individuals in Africa is through mobile, to, to, the, to the mobile networks. Right. And so the first uh, people who have the, the main role of the fiber uh, in-country fiber networks is just to feed the backbone of the mobile networks because most of them were um, are now mig they're migrating away from microwave links to fiber now and just using the microwave and some VSAT as backup. Right. And then also some of the fiber is feeding universities because you, I mean, you can't feed, you can't power internet, an entire university off of microwave links or VSAT, which is what used to happen about 10 years ago. Yeah, wow. Very, very cool. Yeah, it's a big challenge. So could you talk a little bit about uh, the deployathon for IPv6, so the program that you, that you run at Afrinic? So I, I just want to start by, I mean, how we came around the whole idea of um, the deployathon. It, it starts with the realization, it started with the realization that people aren't going to change because of just more information, right? With my team, we've probably trained more than 7,000 people in more than 60 countries. I mean, because when we have certain events, we've got people that have come out of Africa to attend some of our workshops. And whenever I look back about, we've trained this many people, what do they go back and do? Are they going back and deploying application six? That wasn't very encouraging. And so we came to this realization that, you know, just more information as per training isn't going to help because training simply says, okay, here's some information about IPv6. And in our case, you say, here's a lab, we build the skills. But the thing that was missing is that there isn't a clear goal and there is no commitment to consistent action. So sometimes more learning, more training just becomes an excuse for inactivity. And that was the thing <laughs> that was the thing that led us to, okay, we need to change this narrative. So uh, specifically, when I'd come back from, when we'd come back from some training trips, you know, once in a while, you will have this one person who sent us an email, oh, by the way, after the training, you know, I announced my IPv6 prefix and, and enabled IPv6 over my core network. And so it turned out that the people who did that always had a very specific profile. They tend to be the um, CTO type or head of networks, someone who had the authority to actually go change the network, maybe without having, you know, having to ask some, some boss somewhere. And so we thought, okay, there is something there. What if we meet, meet this so, so that, you know, we could reduce the time between someone learning IPv6 and actually taking some action that leads to IPv6 deployment. And that's how the idea for the deployment was born. That's great. It's really insightful, Mukam. And, and I think you, you hit on exactly uh, the, that, that inertia that exists between the training and the actual first efforts at deployment. And just, you know, and what is that? Maybe that inertia is 30% or 50% or maybe it's 95%. Once you, you, you can learn the, 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 the sort of technical details around IPv6 through training, but it, but it really is that first step towards configuring something and and seeing that you can do it and seeing that you know your your 
your network is still working, still operating, and you've you've added some functionality to it, and then and then from there, that just that there's a whole sort of you know there's a dam that bursts, and it's like okay, I can I can do this. Uh, administratively, it's feasible. Technically, it's feasible. The, this project has now become something that that I have my arms around, as opposed to something that you know I just am thinking about in the abstract. You're very right there because um, when we got this idea, here's something that we did was we we did two things. We sent out a survey to the 7,000 plus people we trained and we asked them, you've attended IPv6 training. We know because you've got the records. And by your own admission, you loved the training because it was hands-on. You were able to configure Slack, DHP, V6, you know, OSPF, BGP. Why have you not deployed it in your network? So we put out that survey. And the other thing we did was that any place on the internet where there was a thread on the challenges of IPv6 deployment, we read every single one of those conversations, simply trying to pick out what are people's challenges. So it turned out there are two big factors. One, my manager doesn't give me this, the, the permission. I need my manager's permission in order to deploy IPv6. And the second one is, was, despite all that training, I don't have necessarily have the confidence to sit on my network and start doing it. And that's what gave us the validation that something beyond training, which is what we call the deployer term, was going to. Yeah, that's fascinating. So it's as part of the deployathon, are you actually bringing the management team in? Because that's because that was one of the, the bigger the bigger roadblocks. Is that one of the things that you try and address with the deployathon itself? No, it wouldn't be. It wouldn't be. Uh, we don't bring the. Ma- it wouldn't be a deployment if you brought in the management team because the last thing we want. <laughs> <laughs> no offense to the managers out there, right? So, <laughs> the last thing we want at a deployment is talking, which is what managers love. To talk. <laughs> but That's we, right. we 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 solve that problem at an organizational level. So we have a we have training. We, we have got this IPv6 strategy and planning for managers. The objective is to help managers so that when that one engineer who is enthusiastic about IPv6 comes up, that manager knows how to help them. That manager can make the business case and you know secure resources. Because essentially, if you're going to deploy IPv6, you need resources. And the only person who can secure that is a manager who sits on the budgeting processor. So we try and get those people to say, okay, fine. These are the ways you can think strategically about IPv6 just so that they're in a position to help engineers who are willing already to do run actual deployment projects. Yeah, fantastic. And, and I guess uh, the, the other part of the, the manager equation is I'm sure there, you know, there's a lot of timidity and, and just uncertainty and, uh, with managers and the budgets they have to manage, et cetera, what they want to focus on, what technologies are critical. And it's, you know, there's, there's, a, there's a sort of virtuous cycle there where a, a, a tech or an architect or an engineer who knows, who has learned IPv6 and can, can begin to deploy it, uh, you know, and in, in most cases, let's face it, it's, it's the classic unfunded mandate. The manager hasn't really necessarily given them anything other than the time to just show up and participate in the deployathon. but they come back and they start deploying, deploying it on the network and, and they start to get some confidence with it. And lo and behold, the problem sort of at least partially goes away for the management team because, uh, you know, they, and all, they haven't really had to do anything at all other than just stay out of the way. So. Exactly, exactly. And if, and if through the deployer, we can get something, one of the things we do is, um, we'll talk about this later, is the deployer is about observable indicators of 
progress. So one of the things we try and do, if possible, is you know, advertise a prefix. So you can show a before and after, right? And you know, when the Google stats go up, when the Cisco stats go up, that is something that managers might be able to brag about, which you know buys them some social currency for <laughs> them to support the project. Yeah. Yeah, that's a, it's it's a great point, and I and I think it's funny because everyone talks about and you know we've we've talked about this on previous shows, but everyone talks about you know oh well it's this big thing to deploy v6 it's so separate it's a you know and and I'm like you don't go through this effort to talk to your management team about deploying IPv4 do you like if you need to turn exactly. on a net news site you don't go to them and say like I need your permission to get before to operate for this site. It's like, you would never ask that question. You just, <laughs> it's part of your job is to get the, the V4 portion done. And so adding V6 should should fit in a similar manner. Now there's other constraints, yeah, there's security constraints. team and others that need to get involved. But yes, it's uh, it's it's a wonderful technique to go out and, and, and give them the deployable skills to be able to get something turned on and to measure them. Yes. And I like the perspective you just shared because it's, because so long as we start, we continue to make V6 this separating, the network engineer's job is to provide network access to customers. The customers don't care about V4 or V6. Therefore, if they can do it more efficiently or cheaper over IPv6, then let's say, you know what, it's just what it's just part of your job as a network engineer. Mukam, when I first heard about the uh, deployathon, I, I read a little bit about it. The the thing I was, uh, you know, very excited about about the approach that you're taking. I I, I kind of want to just sort of do a, a little bit of a, you know, sort of what what would ha what would it be like? Just if I like I'm I'm showing up at the deployathon as a, as a network engineer, like sort of you know what is the experience like? Can you sort of walk us through the the various uh, deploying tasks that you guys do and how you sort of structure things and, and just give, give us a, a sort of, you know, user level view of what the deployathon is like for participants. So remember I said the biggest problem, the, the insight that led us to the deployathon was the, the realization that just, just more information wasn't going to lead to a change. So you needed a goal and a roadmap of action, right? And then when you combine it with the research, I told you the, from both the survey and you know the text analysis of all those more than more than five thousand different conversations on Nanog, Afnog, uh, IPv6 ops mailing list, where people say we our problem is that we do not have the confidence. So we literally thought about okay, hmm, if someone says they have the knowledge but don't have the confidence, we need two things. We need we need them to pick a specific goal, and deploy IPv6 is not a specific goal, right? And secondly, we need to give them a milestone and put them in an environment where they get to take action, action above everything else. And I mean, deployment comes in like, you know, I mean, where, where does that happen? The hackathon, right? Hackathon is you know that we want to solve problem X within one day. Therefore, go. You can research, you can get help from colleagues, from, you know, other competitors, but, you know, the emphasis is on action. And that's where the name deployment comes from. And okay, well, this name, I, I, the first person that uttered the word while I was planning this was Lee Hall, because the first time, the first time when I showed him the plans for what I was planning to do, and he said, okay, this is, this would be, let's call it the deployathon. And so that's how the name started, the deployathon. So when I mentioned hackathon, he said, okay, fine. This is for deployment of IPv6, let's call it a deployathon. But so here's how it goes. Remember we said, we want to go beyond just knowledge too. We need to give people a specific goal 
and a roadmap of action. So about one month before a depriation event, we put out a registration form. Because remember, we are not looking for the, we are looking for a specific profile, someone who has access, actual access to parts of the infrastructure that need to be enabled with IPv6. So we put out a form, we simply asked them, I mean, um, when was the last time you did something like, you know, configure BGP, even in IPv4? We asked a bunch of questions that could help us guess whether this person already has some operational experience even running an IPv4 network. This is not for students. This is for people who actually run networks, who have access to network equipment. So as part of the application form, we asked them, what is the status of a network when it comes to IPv6? Whether you have a V6 prefix, or if you have a V6 prefix, we ask you, have you, have you announced it? If you've announced it, we ask, have you, have you enabled across your call? So by the end of your application process, we've got data about you know, your AS, your upstreams, uh, the kind of network you run, the kind of equipment, whether you're mostly a Cisco shop or Huawei shop or Juniper or Mix or Microtik, which you find more and more of here. Now, and also, what is the current status of IPv6 on your network? So together with the team, we, we go through this and, you know, we kind of say, okay, this person would be a good candidate. If you figured out someone um, doesn't, um, might not fit the criteria, we don't invite them. Now, once we invite them, the first thing we say, okay, fine. We want you to invite two of your colleagues to this deployer, right? And one, once they invite your colleague, on our part, because we know almost all of the upstream providers in Africa. So those operators who say that their main challenge with this deployer is they want to be able to announce their prefix. We reach out to the upstream providers and say, hey, because one of the things people keep saying and um, is, oh, customers are not asking for it, which is just not true. So we'll reach out to an upstream, hey, you told us at this conference that customers are not asking. Here are five universities who are actually your clients and they want to you know, announce their prefixes. Can you send an engineer to this event to help them? So at the actual event, when everyone logs in, they have a very clear goal. I'm here to, you know, the very first step is maybe announce, announce my prefix. After I announce my prefix, I create a detailed address plan. After I create one, and IPv6 on my core network, you know, just step by step, like that. small bits, small milestones. And then they, ha they have access to an app, which we develop, which is for each and every one of these milestones, we lay out in exhausting detail the tasks that have to be done. Typically, it follows the format of prototype, build a test, build a configuration, test it. And at the end of it, what we hope happens is that you have a candidate configuration that you can now feed into the change control procedure, procedure that is that is um, that governs your network, and then you can now push it to production. Either the same, maybe that night or that weekend. But at the end, you leave a deployer with an actual configuration for your network that can go into your change control proce uh, procedure. 
I interrupt this podcast conversation and possibly myself to explain who the heck sponsor Appstra is. In a nutshell, multi-vendor network automation plus continuous validation. And I stress multi-vendor because if you've been paying attention to acquisition news, you know that Appstra was bought by Juniper a while back. So you might be thinking you don't care about Appstra unless you're a Juniper shop. And that is just not true. Appstra can handle data center network automation across a spectrum of vendors. So what do we mean by data center automation anyway? We mean that you design the DC network to meet some business requirements you have, and you do that within the Appstra interface, and let's say it's leaf spine with EVPN. Appstra's got access to the network devices themselves, and it takes your intent to create that leaf spine physical network with an EVPN overlay and configures it for you. I mean, Appstra can't plug the cables in for you, right? You still have to do that bit. But Appstra can tell you when the cabling is out of whack, whether that's during the day zero build-out phase or the day two, hey, it looks like an optic failed phase. And that's sort of the point here. Cabling, routing relationships, device and link addressing, inter-switch links, VLANs, VTEPs, mappings, tons of these things. So many that you don't want to have to do that configuration yourself. It seems fun until you're actually building it, and then you realize it's totally not fun. You want software to stand up the data center fabric for you. Software's not going to fat finger an address. Software's not going to forget to update BGP policy. Software? Software loves you. <laughs> right, okay, not all software loves you, but Appstra software does, so much so that it not only helps get that fabric built, but keeps it built the way you intended. Something goes out of spec, Appstra will enforce your intent, which should help you reduce security vulnerabilities, by the way, and alert you to the bits that need a human's attention. Appstra claims up to 80% improvements in operational efficiency, 70% improvements in mean time to resolution, and 90% improvements in time to deliver, and that is a lot of love. Find out more at juniper.net slash packetpushers slash abstra. If you're a data center network engineer, this is worth your investigation. Once more, that's juniper.net slash packetpushers slash abstra. And if you talk to your Juniper rep about abstra, make sure to tell them you heard about them on Packet Pushers. Juniper.net slash packetpushers slash abstra. And now back to the podcast. That's fantastic. There, there's so many points. Uh, there's so many points that you're hitting there that that are just so critical to IPv6 adoption that that folks that are new to IPv6 adoption may may not understand like exactly how how thorough this this process that you're doing is and and how how effective. So so you have some metrics for success with Deployathon with with such a, a such a, a very specific approach. Yes, we do. And the, the thing we measure is, again, we are trying to measure change, like what change that everyone can see. It is, um, so we have what we call deploy, uh, deployment KPIs or deployment, deployment metrics. It is at the end of each event, how many people, how many operators get a prefix when they do not have one? In this case, it's the right prefix. I mean, you, you, I mean, you, you know pretty much what used to happen is that, no. Out of laziness, people will just come to Africa and say, I want a block of addresses. They get uh, the minimum thing, slash 32, if they were an ISP, a slash 48. Then when it comes time to deploy, that was insufficient. But when they come to a deploy turn, within, say, three hours, we'll use the actual network. we we'll use information from your network operating, operating systems, and we create an address plan for them that will support growth. And then by we then we also coordinate internally at Afni to ensure that they actually get a block of IPv6 addresses by the end of the day. So that is one accomplishment. You came wow, in without a block of addresses. Now that's you have amazing. One. That's so that's, that's awesome. Now, 
Yeah, that's amazing. So, they, so that is a step in what we, in the playbook, right? Check. So next step, now you have it. What's the next step? Advertise it. So what does it take to advertise? You go to, I mean, in the playbook, there's a whole section that is a very step-by-step. The very first part is, now, bring your network diagram. Here's your network diagram. Identify all the devices on the edge of your network that are involved in advertising your current blocks of IPv4. So you've identified that's what needs to change for IPv6. Right? So we go, we pull the, the, the current configurations upon them. We modify it to include IPv6 and this prefix. Make sure we put the right security policies in place. And whether it is Cisco or Juniper or Microsoft, we actually we, we build an actual configuration for your network, for your operating system, using your own point-to-point -point addresses that you cannot fit into the change control procedure. I mean, sometimes for some smaller networks, even university networks, they're actually able to do it live while we are at the deployment and announce it. And this is where the upstream being in the room tends to help. Because sometimes, you know, it's, oh, I've been trying to get my upstream. No, by the way, he's right here. Then the guy says, oh, by the way, so when we created your session with you, we hear the, hear the address of the point-to-point. -point. Here's a configuration that you put on your side of the of, of the, your edge routers, and here's a configuration. Then we test, and then everything is good. And while we are doing that, we make sure there's Route 6 objects. We enable that these BGP, this, um, IPv6 prefixes that are being announced are signed in, B, in RPK as well. So, so again, which means at the end of that, there's a clear accomplishment. Before, they had a prefix that was not announced. After, they have a prefix that you can go into bgp.he.net and actually see it there. So there is a visible sign of, you know, before and after. And that's how is. we measure accomplishments, progress, yeah. There it is, bgp.he.net, that's awesome. <laughs> so Mukam, I mean, for in terms of strategy, because I mean, I imagine that's part of what you're talking about with the deployathon. Do you go over some of the aspects of like, hey, we're really turning you up as dual stack right now, but the eventual goal for you is really single stack, right? IPv6 only. And here are some of the transition technologies. Do you go through that part or do you just want them to get the V6 adoption portion going and then follow up with them later uh, with another strategy initiative around some of the transition stuff? So um, if I share a, a screenshot of the, the deployment playbook, it goes from step one, get an IPv6 address space, and step two, enable IPv6 for the end user if you're an enterprise or enable IPv6 for a customer if you're an ISV. Mm -hmm. Right, which means around step um, around step six is you have to choose a transition mechanism. Right. Okay. So you have very detailed steps. You know, given the inputs you have, given you know inputs like you know the amount of V four you have, the um, IPv six um, readiness of the equipment that your clients have, and that you also have in your access network. What is the most appropriate transition mechanism? You pick what we pick that, and then we help you to to implement it. Because yeah. for almost each of these steps, you know, for, for a long time, there is, there's, there's always been this thing that we say, um, do an infrastructure audit of your network. And for a long time, but exactly how do you do it? I mean, we train as we say it, but you know, what, are the, what, what, what are the tactics of actually doing infrastructure audit? So for each of these steps, what we do is that we always begin with an infrastructure audit, which is why in this playbook, you upload your network diagram. So if you're talking about the core, you identify, Router 4, Router 7, Router 6, Router 10, they belong to the core. Let's do an infrastructure audit. We know that there's Cisco. So what we did is that we went through the, um, 
US government IPv6 mandates, we went to the RIPE 554 document. We picked all the, the characteristics, the things that needed that every piece of equipment needs to support in order to do IPv6. So for every equipment that is in your network, the app enables you to say, I need this feature. It's mandatory or optional. It's mandatory or optional. And then we can help you test. Is it actually supported on that equipment? Then we know that you are ready to do IPv6 or not. So if you're not ready, then at least we, there's something very specific you can tell your manager, we can't progress with IPv6 because this equipment won't support it. Either because the feature set isn't there or because the feature set is there, but the resource utilization is such that we, won't, we, don't, want to be able to, we don't want to add IPv6. If you know things like um, CPU and RAM are around say eighty percent and above, right? Okay, that that makes a lot of sense. And then they can use that to be able to. So that's the part that you're addressing for the management team, right? Is saying like, hey, we're not ready to deploy because because of these related issues, and let's put this into our procurement or our time frame to be able to upgrade exactly. based off of based off of what what we got out of this out of this deployathon. We now know this is these are our roadblocks, or we can get this far, and then we have to make a decision, right? You really That's right. be very, very pragmatic about about what you're providing them. When they step out of of your session, they know exactly where they're at within your your multi step program here. <laughs> and what we are seeing is that it might take a while, but you know, once the engineer who was eager to deploy IPv6 gets stuck because a piece of equipment doesn't support it, now quite sometimes he can fix that within one year, even without the involving the manager. He simply says. When the next when, when we are replacing this this uh, router, I make sure that since I know from experience that we cannot continue the IPv6 deployment because this feature was missing, I make sure it's mandatory, and so it just becomes part of the normal procurement process, and so the manager doesn't even need to know to, to know about it. Yeah, it's fantastic. You've you've identified so many points where you know, and and this is not this is typically I don't think the 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 fault of the the architect or the engineer. And it's not really anyway, it's not necessarily management's fault either. It's it just, it's really the gray areas where you, you don't know. It's like you're not sh sure what the next steps are. So, of course, you know, the training is there and the the the, the steps and the deployathon are there to, to reveal what those next steps are. But you've gone steps further than that to to remove the impediments for each of those steps related to the address block. You know, it's like, well, I don't know if I can get an address block. Well, we... We happen to have an address block right here that that uh, that you can apply for. Um, I, you know, I don't know if my upstream provider can uh, can support what I need. Well, as a matter of fact, we happen to be in contact with your upstream provider. Well, I'm not sure if this piece of equipment can support it. So it's like you're you're removing these objections as a part of the training process. Exactly, it's that whole part about I don't have the confidence because remember we are not we are not the experts in your network. You are the expert in your network. So sometimes it's simply, you know, there's this architect who wants to be sure, okay, I'm, I understand the theory of a bit hazy, but I need someone to confirm to me that the choice of Slack versus DHCP v6, what makes sense, what doesn't make sense. So that's what they, they get from us. And we are very, this is not training. So one of the things we do is that once you're selected, we have, you know, we, we've developed um, a really great set of um IP version 6 self-study material on our website, uh, learn that um, um, academy that offering the net. We say, go and take those courses. So when we teach, it is very specific to your network and to the equipment and a very specific problem. So we, no one ever stands up and say, here's how to announce a prefix. No, we say, how do we announce a prefix for this network? 
and this network is upstream provider is a CCOM and you're using Juniper on one of the routers and maybe Microtik somewhere else and say, what exactly do we need to do to, to announce IPv6 given this very specific scenario? That's the only context in which we'll teach. Yeah, so it's, so it's almost it's not it's teaching, it's, it's, it's almost consulting really. Exactly, exactly. It's consulting, so to speak. I mean, best of consulting. It's consulting, so to speak. I really appreciate how much uh, time and effort it must, it must take for you guys in terms of even preparing to get a, a set of individuals just to coordinate and make sure that you guys are ready to be able to provide the, the prefix space to help them navigate how to build at least a preliminary addressing addressing plan and realizing you know i know you already know this but like for the for the for the audience like really having that that v6 mindset about building an address plan versus the v4 right of really constraining yourself everyone constrains themselves too much with the v4 side so really you know giving them the address space that allows them to sort of grow and not cripple them as an organization exactly, exactly. Uh, for for long-term growth and realizing it's not a problem to hand them that that, that amount of address space either that's the other part that's really strange <laughs> yes exactly and, and there's this you know because what happens is that you know when they go to deploy by themselves after they might go read something on the internet that's 10 years old and then they go configure slash for on a point-to-point -point link so what they think we are always updating our playbook with the latest best practices that we learned from the IT v6 ops by talking to folks like yourself etc and as part of boosting that confidence like the very first version we actually got some other experts who actually deployed it so uh, lee howard actually came to help me launch the very first deployment and that was the world's first deployment in dakar like nishal gobadan from pch was there ben madison from working man was there and so the the folks who came to that first deployment they came with the confidence one i can get training i can get the guys from the area there and here are four people you know lee nishal ben who have deployed ipv6 or they have experience operational experience and so if i'm going to screw something up i want to do it in the presence of these guys right so that's what <laughs> built the initial confidence and then they discover oh this is very exhaustive i think one of the things that people love the most is that when it's the exhaustive playbook that we created because oh it's literally i have a google maps that says step A, step B, step C, and at every step of the way, you can, you know, you can get help from one of the teams at Afrini. Yeah, that's, that's fantastic. I mean, and, and Lee is, fan, Lee is a great resource. So we had him on the show, I think episode 35. So if folks want to go back and listen to Lee, but um, that, that's great that he's, you know, that you got those sort of uh, resources and help. And now I think probably most important, given the number of people that you've engaged with, you built an entire community where you're like, look, you're not alone. In, in doing this exactly. and and let's let's loop it together. And so I imagine the service providers now are, are pretty thrilled with you guys in terms of sort of connecting, putting that tissue connection to get customers really sort of engaged in talking to them in a more proactive way in order to get services turned up. And it just makes it a more natural motion for them. So this doesn't become like a something, a weird, awkward extra thing we're doing. It's just like, oh, we know how to do that. We're, we're super comfortable with yep. doing that. And we've done this with tons yes. of other customers through this program. Let's, let's, let's help you to get everything going. So it's a, it's a system for reducing the, the gap between learning V6 and actually showing some yeah, doing measurable, <laughs> yes, on doing something like yeah. that, that, that's it. And we find that right now, even governments, I know what, Government wants to deploy IPv6. They send the 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 core team go to a deployer, and what we don't finish, we apart from the deploy, the deployer is an event 
that we do say for four, I mean, virtual. Okay, now that we're doing almost everything virtually, we do it four days, four hours a day from Tuesday to, to Friday. Before, before the pandemic, we'd also do it physically because the other advantage the physical event gave was that, you know, one of the um, engineers were, they left their offices and the pressures of the day to day job. So it was, you know, because sometimes you have this guy who's really amazing. All he needs is, you know, a step-by-step guide know someone that he can run ideas off of and no distractions from work. And that yes. happens in the physical. I mean, that was one, that's still one of the advantages of a physical deployment over the virtual one. Yeah, they don't, they no, don't no. have that dis- distraction of the yeah. slack yes. over in the corner saying like, hey, we need to get this working first. So, so, and they just, you know, you lose them at that moment when you're trying to. Yeah, and in a traditional training setting, it, that's too often what happens, you know, it's just, it's like, you're just being lectured at about, you know, here's, here the, here, here's some information about, you know, this technology or how to deploy it, et cetera. And then you're like, well, I got to check my email and see what's, you know, if I haven't. You you don't get to check, in fact, you don't get to check email. And if, so like we're doing the deployments, if we don't see you making progress, we we don't see you prototyping a network, we don't see you building candidate configurations, we don't see you testing it, we say, please just leave, just go home because this is not for you. This is not a training. It's not a training. And <laughs> even at the, end, <laughs> at the end of the event, we have what we call the help desk session. It's a first come, first serve basis where you can book a two-hour slot and we, we continue what you cannot finish online over Zoom. Yeah. That's that's amazing. You get you get uninvited. So you get, and I, I'm assuming you don't give them a t-shirt. I, I was uninvited from the Afronic Deployathon. <laughs> no, while we're doing this physically, we'd say, sorry, you, you don't belong here. Please go home. Yeah. Have to stop and go. Because we don't want people, because the thing is that um, it's so, because everyone likes to, every time people gather to do something, everyone likes to label it the training. And there's a certain mentality yeah. associated with a training. It's a place we come and sit passively, consuming information from the gurus at the front of the, de- of the hall. We really want to dispel that notion. This is about you taking action. We are there to guide you. Therefore, if you are not taking action, then you are impediment to the progress of this whole thing. So please leave. Yeah, fantastic. So with all the experience from, from Deployathon, and then of course, you know, Mukam, you've been working with IPv6, IPv6 for some time. But what, what, we've got a lot of folks on the call that, uh, you know, that either haven't started or just started getting their feet wet with IPv6 for the first time. What, what is your advice to them, the folks that are just, you know, starting, starting deploying IPv6? When I, when I think about it, I think one of the biggest impediments to deploying IPv6 is when you ask people, have you deployed IPv6? It is an intimidatingly big goal to deploy IPv6. What exactly do you mean? But if you break it down to, okay, no, hey, it's not deploying IPv6. If you don't have a block of IPv6 space, can you get the correct one? will help you do that. Now that you have one, can you make sure that the rest of the world can see it? You announce it. Secure it with BGP, make sure you've got the Route 6 objects in place. I mean, secure with RPKI, and make sure you've got the Route 6 objects in place, do that. Fine, now you've announced it, what's the next step? Enable it on your core, enable IPv6 over your core, and here's how you, it is one step at a time. And the more you can integrate it into existing ongoing projects, the better it is. And every, yeah, so I would say, don't think about the, um, the mountain, the private vision six. Think about each of the steps, manageable steps. The playbook gives you those steps. 
and right. it shows you an indication of progress. I'm making progress or not. And if I'm stuck, I simply do an ad and you know, someone from Africa can help. Well, much luck and success with, with future deploy-a-thons, and, and I'm sure that will happen because, uh, you know, you, the systems thinking that you're applying is, is very much, uh, you can track the metrics and see where things need to be improved and, and built upon. Exactly. The tremendous success that you've had this to this point is is really, really encouraging, and, and uh, it's been, been great having you on. Well, unlike V6, we've run out of space for this podcast. Thanks to today's guest, Mukam Taman from Afrinic. And uh, Mukam, how can the audience follow you on the internet? Well, I am on LinkedIn. If you look for Mukom, M-U-K-O-M, you find me on LinkedIn. I am on Twitter, where I plan to be doing a lot more tweeting around IPv6 than I've been doing in the past. On Twitter, I am at techexcellent, T-E-C-H-X-C-E-L-L-E-N-T, at techcellent, techexcellent. Excellent. Well, you can reach the IPv6 Buzz podcast on Twitter at IPv6 Buzz. And you can also hit up each of us on Twitter uh, via at IPv6 Tom and uh, at E Horley. Thanks for listening to the IPv6 Buzz. You can find us on the Packet Pushers or any of your favorite podcast apps. Just search for IPv6 Buzz. And if you like the show, please give us a rating on iTunes. If you like the podcast, we definitely recommend you check out Heavy Networking, Day 2 Cloud, and the Network Break podcasts, plus all the other great technical content over at Packet Pushers at packetpushers.net. So long, and until next time, we'll see you on the internet. The IPv6 internet, that is. Thanks for listening to IPv6 Buzz, a podcast devoted to truth, justice, 